going to have my back to the audience so they can't see my face like this. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is this thing on? <laughs> Stand to your feet. Hallel Chapel Church Declaration in honor of the one and only Pastor Daryl Rochelle. Correct. All righty. Now let's do it. Amen. This is my Bible. My, my Bible, Bible is, is the word of God. God. The, the word of God, God is Jesus Christ. It is my weapon because it is infallible. This word slays sickness. This word defeats demons. This word eradicates hidden faults, deliberate sin, transgression, and abomination. My Bible is the ultimate truth. This truth invades the darkness and exposes weakness, lies, cowardice, and doubt. My Bible injects hope, love, and trust into my insecurities demanding that I raise my level of expectation. It assures me that my Lord guarantees that I will triumph over all the forces in this world arrayed against me because he is a God of the angel armies. I conquer, I see results, I overcome because of my Bible. Amen. That was good. Yeah, right? So I was at I was at the barbershop yesterday. <clears throat> huh? I was at the barbershop yesterday, and there's a guy who does hair at the barbershop. When I say he does hair, he's not a barber. He's a uh, he does hair. Yeah, stylist. I was gonna say beautician, but that's not right. He's a stylist, and and so I came in, and I don't know if they know you know that I'm a pastor, but he was ranting and raving about when he used to sell drugs in the '80s, and um, I was like, okay, yeah. I was like. You know, because you never know what's gonna, what, what people are popping off about the barbershop. So he's ranting and raving, and I walk in. I was like, it's going to be crowded because, you know, it's Father's Day. So I was like, oh, I'm up next. So I sat down, you know, play chess on my computer. And um, he's ranting and raving, you know, yeah, and I'm selling drugs. And, you know, he's just talking about, uh, I think the drug of choice then was heroin. But he kept saying heroin, right? Hey, I'm selling that heroin. And I was like, what's heroin? You know, because I, I came in on hair run, and I was like, you know, and I'm not, uh, you know, anyway, I was like, hair run, I sell that hair run, and you know, and I'm selling it, and you know, then he was, he was going through, and he was talking to the other barber, Bob, it's Bob's shop, Bob is, you know, cutting this guy, and Bob never says anything, he, he's one of those guys, but this guy talks non-stop, right, so, you know, so he's just, be popping off. And I was selling hair. And then I realized I was selling it. Then I went to this party. And I, you know, I was selling to these people. Right? I'm telling these people. You know, and then they had this room. at this. He started naming all these clubs in L.A. I don't know because I'm not from L.A. And so he said, yeah. And then somebody comes up to you. And they walk up to you. And they tap you on your shoulder, right? If you look like you got money. You look like you, you can pay your bills. They tap you on the shoulder. And then you come upstairs with them. We go upstairs. When you go upstairs, they hand you uh, a little thing of cognac. And then they give you some hair on. And I was like, what? And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. If, you, if, if you're selling that, if you're slinging, then that's what you want to give a free sample because you know you're going to come back, right? So he's talking. He said, yeah. And you know, one of my biggest suppliers, he invited me to his church. He said, come to my church, right? You know, and he and his wife, they always, they always buy for me. I mean, they buy three grams, and they come back 15 minutes later. Three grams of hair on. You know what that stuff would do? I had to stop selling that stuff. Because, and so he was going on. I was like, do it. Get to the point. Because I'm, you know... <laughs> So it turns out that 
the, the people who are buying from here pastor the church. They pastor the church. He says, so I went to visit his church, and he steps out in his robe. And he had the robe on, and I was like, oh, right? And I was like, you in church? I, but I guess that doesn't make any difference because this dude uh, doing hair on. So then he, he said, and his wife is on the piano. Did he say piano? The piano. And I was like, yeah, drugs. Don't do drugs. It's bad, right? So he was just going on and on. So then he, he got into tithing. And uh, that's when I looked up. He said, and I ain't giving no money to them because the money you give to them, that's the money they spend on the hair on. But he's like, now that I'm thinking about it, I should have given them money because they were giving the money right back to me. So it didn't even make any difference. And it, so he was going on and on. So he was going on about tithing. And so I was like, he's, he's right, right. So I was like, he's mis, he, he misunderstands what tithing is, which a lot of us do. Tithing is to take care of you, Stephanie. Tithing is to take care of the house of the Lord. But we misunderstand. We think it's for the pastors. It ain't for the pastors. I wish it was for the pastors, <laughs> but it ain't for the pastors. It's for the house of the Lord. And I'm, I'm saying that because we're also going to teach on tithing, but just for now to put in your ear, the reason God says it's an umbrella is because you're being obedient. First of all, it's an act of obedience, an act of faith. Secondly, you're tithing to take care of the house because all of this stuff costs money, right? And back in the day, you know, the, the Levites didn't work. You know, it's not like, you know, we work, but, you know. So uh, I just wanted to point that out because uh, it's Father's Day, and I rushed over. I was like, it's going to be crowded because on Mother's Day, it was packed. I mean, people were outside. It was just Father's Day. It was one dude half done in the chair. That's it. Because it's Father's Day. I was like, oh, yeah, it's Father's Day. So it brought to mind, what is Father's Day? And Father's Day started in 1908 by a lady named Golden, Grace Golden Clayton in West Virginia. Yes, you can look it up. It's true, all true. Grace Golden Clayton, there was a mining accident in West Virginia. 362 men died. 250 of them were fathers, one of which I think was hers. She started Father's Day to remember her father. 1908, she started, she wanted to celebrate, started in Methodist church, started in church. So she's all about fathers. So each year, you know, she tried to get it kicked off, but it didn't become, it didn't become a federal holiday until, guess when? 1972. Richard Nixon. Yeah, 50-something years later. 50, 60 years later. A holiday. Father's Day. What is Father's Day? Now, if we... Next slide. So... So fathers are unsung superheroes. I think all fathers are secretly superheroes. Maybe they don't know they're a superhero, but you got to tap into you, really? We got to tap. Oh, oh, wow. So, we, okay. Uh, 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 great. So we got to, so we got to, da, 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 start spreading the need. Um, so, so all fathers are seen. Don't start. You got to, no. So all fathers are superheroes, right? We just have to tap into our superhero power. You have to know that you're a superhero. We do it all the time. Now look at these statistics. Father's Day, 12.7 billion spent in 2014. Mother's Day, almost $20 billion spent on mothers. Father's Day, oh, that's this Sunday? <laughs> mother's Day. Third largest attendance after Christmas 
and Resurrection Sunday, Easter, Mother's Day. People won't go to church any other time, but they will go to church on Mother's Day. I only go to church three times a year, Mother's Day, Christmas, and Easter. Come on, you know you know somebody like that. <laughs> Father's Day, no wait at the barbershop. Mother's Day, at least a two-hour wait at the barbershop. I'm just getting the cut. It takes five minutes to do this. Two hours. So I'm like, why is Mother's Day so freaking important? Right, because you go through like, but you know, I'm, 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 because I'm the same way. It's like Mother's Day. I'm gonna get kind of, like, I didn't even think it's Father's Day. Did I send a card to my dad? No. Did my wife remind me to send a card to my dad? What she usually does? No. <laughs> right? She's she's slacking. Right? <laughs> Supposed to remind me to hit my dad up because it's Father's Day. She did a Facebook post for him, but it's, but why is Mother's Day so important? Because she, our mothers labor for us. Our mothers go forth. But the thing is, uh, when Josh said, uh, is it the father of my father? Like my father before me. Like my father before me. If you read in the Old Testament, even in the, even in the New Testament, when somebody came say, David, son of Jesse, right? Or Daryl, the son of Luki, who's the son of big Luki, who's the son of other Luki. And I, when I, and I wanted to change my name when I was little. My mom said no. So she... Name me Daryl, because her and my dad had problems. But otherwise, I probably would have been Lukey. And I don't know any other people on the earth named Lukey. <laughs> and so I thank her for that, right? So the son of, right? The son of, Bane, that's what it is, Bane, the son of. So Father's Day. And I was like, Lord, what's, what, what's going on with Father's Day? Next slide, please. And uh, so I'm going through all of this, this, this research, and... Isaiah says, yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. And we all are the work of your hand. God is our father, right? We are co-heirs with Jesus. He's our brother. And as a father, what did he do? He sacrificed one of his children for the rest of his children. If you think about it like that, if you got three kids and you're like, which one do I have to give up to make sure the others are okay? As a parent, you're like, I, I'm not doing it. I'll give, I'll, I, I will do that. I'll, I'll do it myself because that's what, that's what parents do. Now, they try to make Parents' Day, and they still have, you know, they try to make it a Parents' Day, but it would, nobody was having that. They were like, I'm going to celebrate my mother, and then I'll send my dad a car, right? So Mother's Day and Father's Day. Um, and so I'm going through uh, the scripture, and I'm going through a, a lot of things. I work with, um, um, I call them alternative leaders. They're sixth to eighth, eighth grade boys. I call them knuckleheads, but I, I tell them they're leaders. You know, it's just a matter of redirecting their energy, right? Learning how to respect themselves. So I want you to look at these statistics. Um, these are fatherless homes. I grew up in a fatherless home. Um, and when I started doing diversity and inclusion work, a friend of mine used to tell me, you're, you're, you're a rarity. You're of the three, you're, it's supposed to be 33% you know, uh, black men. One third is out on the street, one third is in jail, another third is trying to do something with themselves. So I'm that third. And the person used to tell me all the time, you're on Broadway, da, da, da. you're a rarity. And I was like, what? You know, but until I started, I, I mean, I, I guess I knew that growing up, but you, you know what I mean? When you he, we see the, the statistics, these are the statistics. 29% of kids who come from fatherless home graduate 
71% of teens are pregnant. They say adolescent girls with strong relationships to their fathers show a lack of psychological distress in their adult life. Boys and girls both have better adult marital relationships when a father is in the home. 85% of kids with no fathers in the home have behavioral problems, right? I had one too. My mom, they wanted to put me on that Ridlin. My mom got a sign that says stifle. And if she says stifle three times, we didn't have time out. It was your time was up, right? So if she said, Daryl, stifle. So she got it to the point when I was like 10. If she said stifle, I was like, because if she said it three times, it was over for me. You guys probably never would have met me. 91% runaways, right, without fathers. 63% youth suicides. Every child should have a childhood. And 85% of the children in prison come from a fatherless home. And you don't think about how important the father is. You don't think about the male role until I go into these schools with these, these young men, and when I get there, it's, I mean, if you haven't been in a school lately, I don't know how schools are here in LA, but in New York, it's like a zoo. I can walk down the hall visiting, male, walk into a room, teacher in front of the classroom, a woman. The kids are acting crazy, and I walk in and go, hey! Everybody gets in their seat. They're like, and she's like, she's there every day, I'm visiting. And then I call my, I call my boys out, and I, and I always, I try to model good behavior. I'm like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I need to see him, 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 and him. Is that possible? And if she says no, then I say okay, because it's her class. But if she, most of the time, she's like, yeah, take them. Take them. So then you have to realize that the, the power of the Father is great. Like, there are two of us in here, right? Even in churches, we, there is this effect that we play down. I don't know why. I don't know why if it's, if it's something that we've conditioned ourselves to, to doing, but we play down the power of the Father. And, you know, I, I am a rarity. My dad didn't start talking to me until we got married. When we got married, my dad used to call like once a month. Yeah, we, I, I, I talked to him more the first year that we were married than I did my whole lifetime. I'm telling you, this, and he would call and, and she would go, your dad's on the phone. I was like, yeah. She was like, he's calling. I was like, he doesn't want anything. She was like, you're not going to pick up? I'm like, no. She's like, you're not going to pick up? I'm like, no. So then she grabbed the phone. Hello? And I'm like, now you can't say, tell him I'm not here. So she forced me to talk to him. So he would call like maybe once a month. And then we had Dot, and we were in Atlanta. He called all the time. And I'm like, what does this dude want? I'm like, I, when I told him I was getting married, he said I may not be able to make it. And I was like, okay, well, uh, you just get back to me when you have. And, you know, that's the kind of relationship. But my wife forced me to be better with my father. And... Um, and he came to our wedding, and not only did I come to our wedding, but he walked around with his tuxedo for 24 hours. He just held it. I said, dude, you can let it go. Nobody's going to steal it. He was like, Bubba. I said, it's all right. Just chill. But we have a better relationship now. We're building a relationship. Um, the reason fathers are important, we relate to God based on our relationship to our biological or our stepfather, whoever we were raised with. I'll say it again. We relate to God based on our relationship to our Father. And that's how the enemy gets us. Because we, some of us got, I got all kinds of expletives 
when, when I used to, back in the day, <laughs> I had all kind of expletives for my father, right? And because I felt like he should have been a better man, right? And I guess he was doing the best he could with what he had, you know? So one of my boys, and this is what God does, God puts people in your way. Um, my dad wasn't around, and my mom dated a lot, so I had a lot of uncles, and, and I never got close to any of them. Even my, even my, my, my first stepfather, we, we, we kind of just wasn't working, right? But God would send different men my way, older men, younger men. One of my, one of my dearest friends, he had two sons. We were doing a show together. We would do eight shows a week. We rehearsed. Our off day was Monday. So the weekend, Saturday we did two shows. Sunday we did two shows. Uh, they weren't allowed to rehearse. They rehearsed us on Monday, but they weren't supposed to. Um, and Monday and Tuesday we were rehearsal. And Thursday, we didn't have to go to rehearsal because we were off. So we had the theater all day, all day, pretty much every day. He would leave. He was dance captain. Dance, we dance and sing. He would leave after the show or leave after rehearsal, go home, take the train home, tuck his children in, and come back. And I was like, is it that critical? He said, yeah. He said, my wife has been with them all day. She needs a break, and they need to see me. They need to see daddy. Her, his son would call it terrible twilight. Because it's terrible twilight. Daddy has to leave for work. So he would tuck him in. And I said, well, dude, you know, da-da-da-da-da. He was like, let me tell you something. My dad was a so-and-so and so-and-so. He says, the only way that we can change that is to change that. That's the only way. And I was like, at that point, I was like, I'm never getting married. I never have kids. So I ain't worried about it. Right? And God was like, yeah, okay, player. Boom! And I'm like, we were pregnant. I was, I got everything I could put my hands on. I'm reading voraciously. I'm like, okay, this is, this is, this is gonna happen. And, this, and I don't know if I'm gonna be a good father. Lord, 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 I don't know if I'm gonna be a good father. I don't know if I'm gonna be a good father. I sing to her every night, every night. She doesn't go to sleep until I sing to her. If I'm out, if I have to do something, if me and Rod are out, if I'm meeting, if I'm discipling, whatever, I want daddy to sing it. I sing one specific song she has, country western song. Country western song by Darius Rucker. And it's called, It Won't Be Like This For Long. And it's about his daughter. I sing it to her every night, every night before she goes to bed. And if mommy tries to sing it, and, you know, mommy sounds better, but it's got to be daddy. And I'll sing it to her, and she'll fall asleep most of the time while I'm singing. And he's singing about his daughter. I was singing it to our friend. Our friend had a little girl last year. She was about six months. I... You know, they were like, hold her, and I'm holding her. So I start singing her song. I don't know where Dot was. I'm singing, it won't be like this for long. Next thing I know, Dot was like, um, hold up. I don't know what's going on right here, but that's my song. I said, yeah, baby, but I, don't you want to share it? That's my song, Daddy, my song. And I was like, okay, I'll sing something else. And that's the kind of relationship where I pour into her because I'm so afraid that she'll grow up I'm so, I don't want her to grow up like, like I grew up. I don't want her, I want to be a better father, right? I want to be a better father. And so I, I, I'm going to put this to you because back in the day, it, it used to be a different thing for fathers. So we have, we, we, have, we have a span, a generational span here, which is good. So what do you think is different for us as fathers, me and Rai as fathers as opposed to our fathers, as opposed to their fathers? What do you think is different? What, huh? Being there, is they used to be there. They were there no matter what, right? 
Well, some of them. Some of them were there no matter what. What else? What's, what's different? What's different? The presence of the Lord, right? My dad doesn't walk with the Lord. He has, he, he, I don't, that's his thing, but he does it. The presence of the Lord. And you have to instill that into your children because I can't imagine raising children in this day and age without God. There's so much going on. There's so much going on. And then blended families, right? We're no longer the breadwinners all the time, which changes the dynamic because we're no longer the breadwinners so part of that is like my great-grandmother would be like, well, you ain't not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Well, she, she's working. I, I stay at home with the baby. What? No, it ain't like that. I, was, I used to pray with this dude. We don't even pray anymore because he got mad at me. I used to pray with him all the time. And I said, look, I can't, I can't pray with you now. I have to put the baby to bed. He was like, what, you babysitting? I said, nah, dude, babysitting is when you take care of other people's kids. Okay. Hey, babysitting, that's my daughter. He was like... My wife takes care of the kids. I said, well, my wife works. And right now, she's working. She's holding down a job. She works eight crazy hours, eight to six. I'm taking care of the baby. He was like, it ain't supposed to be like that. I was like, well, uh, I I hear your theoretical argument, (laughs) but the practicality of the situation is this is what it is. So as a father, we do whatever we can, right? And see, that's the thing, because in his mind, I was less than. And a lot of times, when she's making the money and you're not making the money, it's less than. But the father, the reason, the reason we, talk about, we talked about Ephesians. In Ephesians, it says, men love your wives. Women respect your husbands. God's telling you what to give the other person. That's what they need in order to make this thing work. You guys don't need, you guys need to know we love you, but, uh, so he says, men, love your wives. But we don't, you know, if you come and you, like I said, if you come and you give me a hug, I'm good. If you come, you kiss me on my forehead, I'm good for the rest of the day. I will, I will pick the house up and move it to another street because that's all I need. You know, we don't need, oh, uh, I love you, I love you, I love you so much. We don't need that. But we do need your respect. And the you know, problem with it is because the roles have shifted. <laughs> Come on now. You going to tell me you don't know somebody like that? <laughs> I make more money than you. You ain't doing And then, and then, and then, and then. And, you know, and if the guy's kind of like me, he'd be like, okay, look, I, let's, can we just, let's relax. Let's bring it down. You're at a 20. I need you at a 2 right now. Uh, can we bring it down? Because I don't want you to upset me. Because if you upset me, then it's going to all be done. So let's bring it down. But our attitudes have changed. We've shifted. Back in the day, you had one job. You worked that job until you retired. Now we have five different careers, right? A career, not a job. You have five different careers. So things change. Blended families, right? Some other person is raising your child. I have a dude that I was discipling with. He was like, yeah, my, my son had a toy. Uh, no, the, uh, the stepfather uh, put my son on punishment. So I showed up at the house. And all of the rest of the guys were like, yeah, man, that's right. I was like, no. He said, what? I said, no, you wouldn't be showing up at my house. I said, that dude called you. He spoke to you. He said, look, 
he called you as a man. He said, we're going to raise your son like this. Is that okay with you? And you said yes. So he's disciplining your son, and you show up at his house popping off. He said, yeah, and I, and I rang the doorbell, and I, and I said, see, no. And he's like, what? And, I, and all the other guys are with us are like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no. I said, you show up at my house, you don't call. You don't give me the respect. This, we made an agreement. You don't give me the respect. I said, if you did that to me, as soon as I opened the door, I would hit you. He was like, I said, you put your hands on this man and dragged him out into, and dragged him out into his yard. I said, I would have beat you mercilessly. You going to fly here and act crazy with me? What kind of example is this setting for your son? We're trying to raise this, this young man to be a man together. We got to talk to each other. We got to communicate. But you have to think about it. You have to think. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I am thankful. I pray. I'm so thankful that God didn't put me in that situation because I don't think I have the temperament for it. And those of you who know me probably know that I don't. I don't have the temperament for that. I don't have the temperament for going back and forth, the temperament for, I don't, I mean, I'm, you know, that person died in a tragic accident. You're going to be living with me now, you know, so, and we, you know, I mean, I'm not advocating violence. I'm simply saying I just don't have the, the temperament for it. So as fathers, we face all this different stuff, right? We face all of these things. And, and, and the question is, how do you raise, how, how do I raise her to have the self-respect that she needs and the dignity that if a guy's like, well, because um, my wife tells me stories sometimes, and I want to go back in her past and just beat up all these guys. I want to beat them up, you know, because I remember when we first met, she said to me, I said, my, my sister introduced us. And she, my sister's like, well, how was that? And I said, it was great. I said, we hung out. Then she came to the house, right? And Well, I was working. She came to the house, and then we went someplace. But I said, yo, what's up with the three fingers? And my sister said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You said that you have embarrassed the family. You have embarrassed. I was like, oh, well, I thought you, well, why would you introduce me to her if you know I don't, uh, and you know what she said? I said, so what's up with the three fingers? She goes, it saves on manicures. And we just died laughing, right? We died laughing, and then I, that, was, I, that was the same night we went to, uh, I can't remember where it was, but she asked me, she said, can you cut, cut, she was having trouble cutting something, and she said, can you cut this for me? And we were just talking, and I did it naturally, not realizing the connection that we had. She's my good friend. She's my good friend. Not even thinking about her fingers, not even having a problem, but she tells me stories about these guys. Oh, you're fine, but if it wasn't for the, the six-finger thing, I was like, give me his name. Give me his name. I want to, you know, because you don't do that, right? But he's broken. We're in a broken society. So how do I prepare my daughter for broken men? How do I prepare my son for broken women? How do we prepare our children for broken people, right? It's different now, and we can't do that. Next slide. We can't do that without God. Um, and this slide is from Malachi. Um, no, go next slide, please. Yes. This says, in this way, Moses was talking to the children of Israel. He says, in this way, we repay the Lord. Um, is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Because, you know, they were rebelling against God. And he says, is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? This is the first time that father... God is mentioned as father in the Bible, in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is like the third book. 
This is the first time God is mentioned as father. And if you read it in the Hebrew, it says, is he not your father? He paid for you. So this is Deuteronomy, which Moses wrote. He's saying that God shared with him, obviously, that this is what I'm going to do for mankind. I'm going to look through the future. I'm going to sacrifice my son for my other children. Right? And this is why this is so profound for me. Because each one of us, each one of us, God looks through our future. And I say it all the time. God went to your beginning so that he could create your past. So all the stuff you're going through, Steph, all the stuff you're going through, he already saw. He's already prepared you for it. Not just you, but all of us. Ebony, all the stuff you're going through. God already said, okay, on this day, June 20th, 2015, Ebony's going to be going through this. Amy's going to be going through this. Noe, Rod, Sandra, they're going to be going through this. But I went to their beginning with them. The Holy Ghost was there when you were created. And I'm going to prepare them. So when they get to this date, when it gets hard, when, it's un- <laughs> when it gets hard, I will be there for them. I'm going to share this with you. I shared this with somebody else. And, and I hope you can appreciate it and understand it. We, we got this dog. Now, my daughter's been praying for a dog. We tried to do it a couple years ago. It didn't work, you know, because I, 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 did, I didn't speak to God before I made the decision. God gave us this dog, a purebred dog. He gave us everything the dog needs, dog food, dog pee pads, stuff I didn't even He gave us all the stuff, portable cage, gave it to us, gave it to us. The night before she got the dog, she said, Lord, I've been praying for the dog about three months. Lord, I'll make my dog come sooner, sooner than I think, something like that, she said. The next day, she has this dog. Now, we have this dog, another mouth to feed, whatever. Pee pads, dog can't go outside because dog has to get shots, right? I don't know, I, I don't remember shots when I was a kid. You put the dogs outside with other dogs, whatever. The dog's got to get shots, can't go outside, so he has to pee in the house, right? So we're using our pee pads. So Pastor Teresa and I are going through our finances, and she said, Okay, so we got this amount of money to last us until so-and-so and so-and-so. And And I was like, okay, because I'm expecting a check from some work that I did, da-da-da-da. And I was like, so she's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, okay, because we're going to buy pee pads because this dog's going through them like crazy, right? Because he's peeing and pooping everywhere. So I said, you know what? Um, What I'll do is I got this chart paper. I I just use some flip chart paper. And we'll keep them in the kitchen, put the flip chart paper down, and when he pees and poops, I'll just get it up right away, clean it up, just have, so it's going to be, because he's, he's a puppy. So he pees and poops like every couple hours. Seriously. Poop, pee, poop, pee, poop. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, <laughs> right? So I was like, you know what, in my mind, I'm like, get ready for it. Get ready, get ready, get ready. So while I'm, while I'm saying that, I'm talking to Pastor Teresa, I'm going through this cupboard cabinet in our um, house, and I'm looking for, we have these really big uh, laundry bags. So I was going to put some clothes in and go take them and fold them. I reach down and I feel something. Well, it's up. So I climb up and I reach and I feel something. And I was like, what's this? And I pull out a big thing of pee pads that was in there. I don't know when it got in there. I don't know when it was in there. And I threw the pee pads on the ground and started jumping around and screaming. That's the kind of God I serve. Now, I know it's just pee pads. I do realize it's just pee pads. 
It's not like a million dollars. It's not like, you know, a house. It's not like a child. But it's the principle. If God is going to take care of us with just pee pads, will he not do the same for that child, that apartment, that job, those things that you're expecting? Will he not do the same? Because it's just pee pads. I know that. Will he not do the same? Yes, he will. He has looked through your life. He was there in the beginning. And he said, like any good father, I'm going to carry her here. I'm going to do this there. I look back over my life, Rod, you know what I'm talking about. Not that others of you don't, but I look back over my life and some of those things where I know I should have been dead. I know I should have been dead. But God had other plans. I didn't expect to live long. Well, I'm going to get married. I ain't having kids. But God had other plans because he looked through my life. And I'm saying this because all of us are going through. We talked about spiritual warfare, and we're going through, all of us, under this roof. If you come to this church, I believe not just this church, but the body of Christ. We're going through. The enemy whispers at night. You're going to never be none. You're going to never do none. You're going to be a dumb old man. Your wife going to leave you. My wife ain't leaving me. Well, your children Late at night when nobody else is around, when you're up, and if you live alone, he whispers. You ain't praying that right. You ain't doing that right. God don't hear you. How many times you pray? You pray seven days. Nothing happens. You need an answer tomorrow. You need an answer. What's going to happen? And we have to take authority over that. We walk in the power of the Lord. He's, he's equipped us with that. The father of my father. My daughter should say, my son should say, I am Grayson Solomon Luke, son of Daryl Ordell, son of Lukey, son of Big Lukey, son of Bigger Lukey. Walk with that power. Jordan say, I am Jordan Palmer, son of Roderick Palmer. Because I walk in the authority of my father. And that's what God did on Father's Day. What did God do? He sacrificed his son. Not on Father's Day, but he sent his son here for his other children. He's the ultimate father. And that's why it's so interesting to me that on Father's Day, it's like, oh, yeah, it's Father's Day. But Mother's Day, but it's no, it's, it's no, it's no big deal. So, so I want to I I read some things to you. I, I, I don't. I, I really don't. <laughs> Give me the next slide. I want to read some things to you. And because it's Father's Day, God loves us unconditionally. So the thing is, how do we love unconditionally? How do we love unconditionally? Because Pastor Frank used to say, love is to value someone as precious and be inwardly moved to act on their behalf at your expense unconditionally. Love is to value someone as precious and be inwardly moved to act on their behalf at your expense unconditionally. Ebony, so when my wife tells me about these guys from the past and they come up, I'm like, I wonder if I could find that guy. Because I want them to know. Like I met 
her, her ex-fiance. He's like, I've never seen a person this big before in my life. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not kidding. This dude was the size of that door. He, he, he had to bend down to come through the door. So dude had to be like 6'8". He had to weigh 320 easy. I was standing on, we were on the bleachers. He was standing up, and I was standing on three bleachers, and I was still looking at him like this. And when I realized it was him, I ran up to him, and I was like, hey, you know who I am? <laughs> and he was like, uh, I said, I'm Daryl. Or Dell. Because <laughs> in my mind, right, in my mind, I was like, I could take this dude. I could take this dude. He heard my girl. I could take this dude, right? I was inwardly moved <laughs> to act on her behalf at my expense, but it would have been his expense. As long as he didn't fall on me, I would have been good. Boom, boom, boom. Get out of the way, Josh. I got to get out of the way. Bam! Oh, you're down. Oh, right? I had it all worked out in my mind. I had it all worked out in my mind. And I was in this dude's face the whole night. I was like, yeah. So what's up? <laughs> and the dude, you know, and I, you know, in retrospect, I was like, hmm. Because his arms were like, his arms were like my leg. This dude was huge. Huge, huge dude. And I, call, and I text her. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm here with your ex-fiance. That's exactly what she said. She was like, no, no, no. She was like freaking out. But I was like, I can take this dude. I can take this dude. He hurt my boo thing. That's right. She remixes my old school, right? She, and I was like, I can take him. And I, because I, I don't want her to hurt. I don't even want to cause her hurt. Even when I was telling somebody the other day, when I cause her hurt, I'm, I'm hurt. Right? So I want to do everything I can not to cause her hurt. I want to love her unconditionally. And, and that's a hard thing to do. We talk about it all the time, loving unconditionally. My sister and I got in an argument over Tyler Perry when she was here last time. We don't even want to get into that discussion. Um, and, and I left the room, and she, she told Teresa, see, we didn't grow up with unconditional love, so he doesn't know how to love unconditionally. I'm like, what does unconditional love have to do with Tyler Perry? Because I don't like Tyler Perry. You're mad at me, and I'm supposed to like him, and whatever, right? But she's right. We didn't. We grew up with conditional love. We grew up with, um, there, were, there were conditions uh, in my house. And, you know, some of you, it's the same. But we want to, as we move from love to prayer to worship, we want to understand what unconditional love is. And the reason that's so important is because that's how God feels about you. We walk, we, we, we have limited God's ability. We have limited God's power, limited God's love. We've, we've, we've stifled what God can do in our lives because we, we don't have the faith that these things are possible. With somebody the other day, she says, I believe God for this, but I don't believe God for that. And I was like, are you listening to the words that are coming out of your mouth? If you believe for this, why not believe? I believe God for pee pads. Why not believe God for a house? Why not believe God for a son? Why not believe God that we're going to move to the valley and be in a place that we need to be in? Why not believe God for that job? Why not believe God for a healing? Why not believe God for these things that he can rectify the lives of my children? Why not? He said he could. It's written. It's in here. 
I conquer because of my Bible. But we have limited God. We don't believe. It's like, I know you're going to hate this, but it's like Peter Pan. You don't fly unless you believe. If you believe you can fly, you fly. If you don't believe, you can. So how do we love unconditionally? I'm going to go through this really quickly, right? How we love unconditionally. Number one, how we love unconditionally. Uh-oh, I had them written down. I don't know where they went. How do we love unconditionally? Number one. Number one. Number one. Oh, number one. Number one. Unconditional love. How do we love unconditionally? Number one. Oh, there we go. Awesome. Think of love as an action and not a feeling. Right? A feeling is something that we get from someone, and when we stop getting it, we, our behavior changes, right? I heard this, this pastor say, when my wife doesn't do what I think she should do for me, what do I do? And I was like, he's talking to me. Because <laughs> I'm like, you should have done this. You should have done that. She said, well, how's she going to know to do it if she don't know to do it? When we got married, when we got married, <laughs> Ebony, we got married, I woke up. Teresa was with her friends, like all five of her friends, whoever was in the wedding. I woke up, and I was like, hey. And they were all like, it was like the color purple. They were like. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? And so Teresa's, and they're all, she, <laughs> so I was like, me and you, let's go for a ride. So we go to El Pollo Loco. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, you're the groom. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this, 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 this. And I was like, and I was like, babe, I, I didn't know I was supposed to do those things. I, I, I have no point of reference. There's nobody here to teach me. I said, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I, I didn't know. If I had known, I, w- I would have done them. And so she breaks down and starts crying. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I- I'll do them. I-, I just didn't know that that's what I'm supposed to do as a groom. And it's the same thing, right? When you don't treat me the way, how's she supposed to know unless I tell her? Communication. How's she supposed to know unless I say, this, this, I feel this way when this happens, right? So if we think of love as an action, right? If we, have, if we have to do something in order to receive that love, then it's not unconditional, right? So we think of love as an action, not as an effect, because she did what I wanted her to do, so I'm going to love her. I'm going to love her anyway. I'm going to love her through all of that, even if, even if she puts the sugar in with the, 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 you know, puts the sugar in the freezer when a bag of sugar with the, uh, open without tying it on the freezer door. And open the door and sugar gets everywhere. She did that one time. That's one time. I'm going to love her anyway, right? And she's going to love me. And she's going to, wait, I, no, because I'm no day at the beach. She's, she, she's going to love me anyway when I do what, the stupid stuff that I do. And I don't, but I don't know it's stupid because she loves me enough not to tell me, right? So feelings, check this out. Feelings cannot last, but you can renew them continuously with new actions. Feelings cannot last, but you can renew them continually with new actions. Date night, yogurt night. Why is yogurt night so difficult? You can have yogurt night. You can have date night. It could be, you know, let's send our daughter to Grand Tea night. Let's send our daughter to Stephanie night. Oh, better yet, let's send our daughter to the Palmer so she can give, she can give Sean the blues, right, night. 
so that we could just spend some time together. Number one, think of love as an action, not a feeling. Not because I feel this way, I'm going to give them love, but an action. Number two, always ask yourself, what is the most loving thing I can do for this particular person in this particular moment? What's the most loving thing I can do for this particular person in this particular moment? Unconditional love is situational, you know? Jesus loved the 12 differently. 